0: This is Paul Siegel, you're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live at 1pm Eastern on twitch.tv wanderingdms and youtube.com slash wanderingdms live. And now, on with the show. everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul.
1: And I'm Dan, and on today's episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to be talking about public versus private games. How does your game change when you take it away from uh, the private table with just your friends and start broadcasting or streaming it in public or on Twitch or something like that? How does the game change in ways that you didn't expect or maybe ways that you did expect? All that and more today on Wandering DMs.
0: So, We're gonna try and draw the line here too between and it's gonna be difficult, but but talking about public versus private as opposed to talking about online versus offline. Now I know that Dan, you and I have done a fair amount of online public play at this point, and a lot of right. private in-person play. And there are two other kind of boxes in that in that two by two grid, which we have some experience with, but not as much. Um, but I think I think it's it's important to, to talk about the differences there right
1: I, I think it is so I think before the show I think we, we realized there is a, a two by two alignment axis grid of uh, public versus private and also online versus offline so there's four boxes there you could consider between I, I'm doing a I'm doing an event in private with just my friends but I'm doing it with roll 20 or something like that uh, in private at a table you know in person versus Publicly broadcast with digital tools yeah. versus, and we and we have done all four of these versus at a table in person, uh, uh, but but actually broadcast for public consumption. Paul, you and I did that last year for uh, your birthday game, and just for yeah. just for one example, I mean, we've seen this year we've seen critical role have to make the transition. Is of course originally they you know for years they were together in actual um, a, a table together and they had to I guess they're in the same studio now but they're separated apart so I guess they've they've at least yeah. partly changed.
0: Well, they, their they're they're uh, the concept. one of the few um, live streaming actual play groups I know that specifically went on hiatus as soon as COVID hit. Yeah, and then right. and then put stuck a flag in the sand and said no we are right. not going to produce the show until we can okay. all do it in the same room okay. together. Because they yeah, felt that yeah. was important to their brand. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Good point. Good point. So they they actually kind of do stand out as one of the few. Uh, they're actually in person, but they're uh, they're broadcasting for public consumption. So yeah. so kind of it is kind of an interesting mix of of interactions. Now, before we get into that, actually, Paul, of course, um, I wanted to start this episode by talking about some physics. <laughs> of course, of course, he did. So. In um, uh, quantum mechanics, in physics, uh, there's what we all know of as the observer effect, wherein just watching, right, just observing or watching a phenomenon will have some amount of changing the phenomenon itself, possibly due to the instrumentation. Mm-hmm. Changing for uh, One example would be, I wanna measure the air pressure in, in my, my car's tires. Well, in order to do that, I'm actually going to release some of the air into an instrument to measure it, thereby changing the, the tire pressure. And there's right. a whole lot of other examples if you know, now some people, Paul, I know you wouldn't do this, but some people, some people confuse this with the Heisenbergian, the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, but it is important <laughs> to realize that they are actually distinct. And usually that's a confusion of the quantum mechanic uh, function side. people are confusing with that. So let's not make that mistake okay, sure. here Sure. but... So what I'm what I'm getting at really is you know even just uh, you know what would what would happen to your game if you just recorded it like what if mm-hmm. you weren't even gonna, uh, broadcast it in public and just recorded it for maybe just personal inspection and I like as a, as a teacher um, I know that it's recommended that at some point you record your classes and either yourself or with a colleague sit down and you know analyze whether you're happy. Mm-hmm. with how you're presenting things and what your body language is and what your voice modulation is and things like that. And it's funny because for yeah. a number of years, I was <laughs> trying to get equipment to do that. And I was like, yeah, okay, this semester, I'm going to go record a session. And then, of course, you know, 2020 hits. And now instantaneously, everything I do is always recorded all the time. <laughs> and I have no option of doing it any other way all of a sudden. It's funny.
0: So, have you, Dan, <laughs> have you ever recorded a, a session of a
1: uh, role-playing game? just once you know just Mm -hmm. once and it's it's funny because it now like i I, it seems obvious that we should have been doing that more often but around 1985 1986 uh we were we were playing a a series of paranoia games and as 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 i know that you have done and our good friend adam does i decided to go whole hog with the paranoia uh accoutrement tools Mm -hmm. um (laughs) you know scenery material and i made up Um, I made up, you know, costumes and I made up, you know, mock equipment for all the the ridiculous equipment that you get in um, at the start of a paranoia game. And I included, you know, a mock tricorder or whatever they call it there that was an actual VHS video camera. So the so the player who was in charge of that took the actual VHS video camera (laughs) and in character was videoing the whole the whole session. And so somewhere I do actually have a VHS tape that I watched of, of one Paranoia uh, game. I mean, that's, that's very
0: I, easy to do in Paranoia, of course, because one of the roles right. specifically yeah. is meant to be the person who records all the events that happen to the team. Um, right. I actually I did pretty much the exact same thing uh, much later um, and with a group. So at that point, it wasn't a VHS camera. It was actually a very small digital recording device. It was It was specifically like a little spy cam looking thing um uh, that recorded to uh to an sd card and and it just looked really weird and unusual so when i handed it to the players they weren't even necessarily convinced it was real but i <laughs> but i was like yep it's real and it works go ahead and record and he did and so i have that's a bunch of bet. random footage of that um that's
1: the bet. like yeah. what year are we talking about with
0: that? i think that had to be around 2004 2005 maybe yeah
1: great.
0: Great. so did you watch uh, maybe, it that's, maybe that's maybe that's later maybe it's more like 2008 I it's more like 2008. Yeah. It was a thing I had. Honestly, it was a thing yeah. I already owned and and when I was looking for paranoia props, I was like, this looks like a paranoia thing, right? <laughs> um know I remember because... as a kid once. I remember as a kid once I did record a D&D session with like a tape recorder. And I think like, you know, afterwards we listened to it and realized it was awful
1: and we're like, yeah, was... <laughs> well, I think that I think a lot of people might might you know agree like i hear people say like oh when they when they hear themselves in recording or see themselves on video like it's painful and maybe i've just done it enough that i've that i've forgotten i've forgotten what what i don't sound like um but weirdly i was looking you know i was like about a month or two ago i had the idea of like i should i should see you know i should see guy or arneson running original d d in person see what their pacing and what their interaction was and as far as I can tell, it, it doesn't seem to exist. Yeah. Uh, I asked on a couple forums about that for either one. I'd be, I would, if somebody knows of either video or audio of Gary Gygax or Dave Arneson running a, a game at any point ever, um, I would love to see or hear that. And as far as I can tell, it looks like nobody ever thought to do that. Nobody ever thought yeah. to do that for their entire career. It <coughs> seems amazing now, but uh, is not something we were thinking about. Commonly.
0: yeah well it's interesting right like i it, there's there's sort of a couple of reasons one might record a, a, a role playing game session right like what you were saying before i think or anybody who's you know done a competitive sport probably at some point has thought of oh i should get myself i should get someone to film me so that i can look at it after and determine you know what i'm doing wrong and how to fix it yeah. um yeah. and there's, there's certainly a sort of just like personal note-taking kind of aspect mm-hmm. to it of of uh, making a record um, and then then there's performative, right? Like, no, I want this recorded right. so that I can present it to others. And right. um, that, I think, my, my instinct is that that
1: changes it
0: way more than, you know, than just recording it for the sake of recording it.
1: Okay. I, oh, you, you have to be correct. You have to be correct. I thought, I thought it was interesting that probably even recording it would change it a bit. Probably even mm. recording it and looking at it might change how you come at it the next time. But of course you're right, and that's that's our primary... Maybe it uh, depends practice. on how aware the players are of the fact that they're
0: being recorded and what they know about what the recording's going to be used for. I, I can tell you this. I remember having that stupid little tiny spy cam at one point uh, during just normal campaign play. I think I'd just gotten it, and I was just screwing around with it. And I was like... Oh, hey, guys, uh, you know, just trying to see, like, how long the battery lasts or whatever. Do you mind if I just stick this over here and hit the record button see what happens? And one of my players distinctly objected and said, no, if we're going to record this, I'm not playing and I'll leave. Uh, yep. Yeah. Fascinating.
1: Fascinating.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, all right, I, I, I respect I, that. That's fine. That's like, yeah. I don't really need to record this. Yeah. It was just a, a funny yeah. thought. If it bothers
1: you that much, we won't do yeah.
0: it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Agree, and, and on the other hand, we have a fairly famous we have a fairly famous, uh, a f- fairly famous incident uh, of a game session that I was running that you were part of mm-hmm. whereby we had one of the players surreptitiously audio record, mainly me. He was mostly trying to record me um, surreptitiously, didn't tell us about it until later. That's right. Uh, we couldn't remember a particular part of the trip through uh, Tomb of Horrors. And he was like, "I, you know, for what it's worth, I recorded when Dan said that thing. What am I allowed to like replay that right now?" Yeah. And you know, I actually permitted it at that point because it's two mahars and it's already hard enough. Um, But uh, that's a good point. I wonder. I like. I wonder if, like, on a a general survey basis, if you surveyed how many people would be comfortable being recorded, even just for private purposes, how many people Mm. would. what percentage of people would decline yeah, these days. Yeah,
0: yeah, you never know. Some people are just going to object to that on principle. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, interesting uh, thoughts appearing here in chat. Hi, everyone on the chat. Thank you for joining us. Um, so there's this comment um, from Jamused. In Gygax's day, sound and video would have been really intrusive. Lights, individual mics, big expense, etc., etc. You know, moments before this, uh, moments before we went live, Dan and I were trying to track down. There is actually a recording of D and D from like the early '80s. Uh, I think it was built as like a D and D radio play, right? Is that right? Am I getting that right, Dan?
1: Right,
0: right. So Uh, I think it's a radio show pilot. I think it was called.
1: Right. So so I see it posted by John Peterson, uh, our a person that we respect very highly um, on YouTube there, and I guess it's you know it's sort of sort of half-scripted and sort of live play. It's I guess mm-hmm. I'd have to listen to the thing again to remember. But um, uh, yep. So a syndicated radio show in the early 80s to promote d d by broadcasting audio examples of play. Right. Uh, no, it's
0: definitely, I've re- listened to a little bit of it, it's definitely right. uh, paid voice actors, They, they right. probably scripted um right. right, right. Now it is trying to be exemplifying play, right? So I think that they talk yeah. about like rolling dice and here's your character sheet and whatnot. But I think they also then there are sound effects and they do voices and they try to like make okay. it feel like okay. a little bit like a like a okay. hybrid between, say, the D D cartoon and okay. people actually okay. playing D D. Right,
1: right. Sounds sounds a bit like um uh the Harmon quest, maybe a little bit of, of kind of Jazzed up, jazzed up, halfway scripted D and D, perhaps. Um, uh,
0: I, I think it. Um, okay, the scripted part, I would, I would differ with. I think I feel okay. like Harmon okay. Quest is actually not scripted at all. Um, I think that it's it's maybe broad-stroked outlined, and then they and then they just they just okay. play, and then okay. but then it's highly okay. edited, right? The thing yeah. about Harmon Quest is yeah. highly edited, yeah. right? I'm yeah. guessing they play for several hours, and then they chop that thing down to thirty minutes, and then they Agreed. animate on top of it, and like. Wow, right, right, a, right. you know, it's, right. a, it's a different beast. Right. Um, right. <clears throat> whereas, you know, this thing, I feel like, possibly someone just wrote out the entire script. Possibly yeah. someone just okay. wrote down okay. line for line, okay. and then player one yeah. says this, and then player two says okay. that, and there's no okay. one's actually really playing a game.
1: <clears throat> okay. Understood. Understood. So I feel like, so that's, you know, that's like scripted line by line. Like my, my feeling for Harmon Quest is I feel like they know, they always know where they're starting and ending a session. Like I'm pretty sure, But mm-hmm. like my, my feeling is that there's no question how they're going to end a particular session or how the guest's character is going to, what their arc is going to be like through that session. Um, but I certainly, the, 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 the individual round by round events certainly aren't, aren't yeah. scripted. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I
0: mean scripting in terms of publicly produced D and D is a is right. an interesting topic, right? And something that that folks are playing Agreed. with, right? You have, um, yeah. I know, I, I, I want to say that Dimension Twenty does some amount of scripting. I think, okay. okay, this is what I've heard online, so I have no idea the the, okay. the okay. <laughs> truth of the matter
1: there. But I feel like that's a okay. thing they're playing with. So we so another actually another comment by Jamus. I don't know if this is a good time for this. Is you're pointing out that of course this is on our mind. I mean, maybe we should maybe we should um, um, point to the elephant in the room that this is of course on our mind. Do the work that Paul and I have been doing for the Big Bad, which is our tournament D and D show, uh, and that's and the premiere. Of course, is on YouTube this Tuesday as we're as we're taping this. So October thirteenth at eight PM is the uh, live event premiere. And we hope that you'll uh, you'll watch that on Tuesday. So, and, and it has been a lot of work, um, as you point out there. Did I, did I put the right um, one but, on the screen here, Dan? Yeah, oh, you, you did. Yeah, okay, did. great. So for sure. the sake
0: of the podcast, uh, Jamused says, actually the big bad shows to do it well, you still need a bunch of equipment and setup. just a little easier because everybody is already, oh, I got cut off, already. Uh, already
1: doing video, audio, recording, just to participate. There you go, thank you. It's true. It's it's very true. Um, now, obviously, for our it's interesting because we did our, our award awards show shoot yesterday, and some of us are still recovering from that. What a great time that was, actually. So now we're going to have seven episodes instead of just six. Yeah. And I think it was uh, I think it was uh, we, we everybody knows who the our participants are if you've been following our promotions. I think it was Jim of WebDM that said uh, they, they they got the WebDM team got started, and then pretty early on. I hit them with a spell that, if if they failed the save, would instantaneously take a character out of the game. And uh, Jim said, "This is not what I'm used to from you know public broadcast D and D. It's usually a bit softer than that." So came <laughs> on from Dan in a way that we weren't entirely expecting, and we need to we need to pull out all the stops. So yep. certainly for the big bad, we were ready to. I was I was seriously trying to TPK them if I yep. could. Yeah, we had uh, we so had. TPK but, yeah. is the
0: thing we talked about a lot, and how would we deal with yeah. it and how does how do we still have a show if TPK right. happens in the first 20 minutes? and we yeah. had a plan. so yeah. so TPK right. was not off the table in that show. Mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm.
1: not off the table. Yeah. could have happened <clears throat> yeah. yeah, totally. so so we, we certainly didn't have any pre plotted uh, end point and if some team just got squashed into a into a puddle, uh, that was that was my goal. <laughs> 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 yeah. That well, was that's, actually my goal. <laughs> I mean that's very different, right? That is that is the
0: angle that we have for the Big Bad, is that it's not yeah. an ongoing yeah. saga with characters that you're becoming invested yeah. in so much as it is a competitive right. show where you're watching different right. players try to out compete and outdo each other in terms of a, a uniform scoring system. Right. Um, right. ultimately though. Uh, oh, I'll point out the big bed. Of course, is heavily edited, and this is it. You know, totally taking a page right out of yeah, Harmony yeah. Quest, and something that yeah. I've always, frankly, believed is that um, that the best way to present D anD D as entertainment is to heavily edit it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I think it's because D anD D is incredibly slow paced. Right? There's a lot of thinking about your move there's rules discussions there's hesitations there's moments that when you're sitting and participating in the table um, feel fine but when observed even if it was just like a live audience if a live audience was observing it
1: I think they'd be bored right. I, I think this it, this this might be maybe the most important part of the discussion actually here and I'm glad that you you, you pointed that out but maybe I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna phrase that as, as eloquently and I think that as as you know, customary DM, I think I can overlook that because as the as when you're when you're run, playing the DM role, you are processing so many things hmm. in parallel. Is you've got you've got all the NPCs in the background, you've got the scenario, you've got the dungeon, you're thinking about wandering monsters that could any one of which could randomly pop up, and whether that's reasonable you're thinking about all the the players at the table and whether they generally seem to be having a good time and the overall pacing. And so as as DM, it feels like it's very, very busy, like it's very, very busy for hours on end. And I think that seeing a recording and uh, from the outside eye and realizing that it's not as frantic as it feels in my head is a really important thing to discover about that. Yeah. And I feel like that, like it was really important for our for the game for your birthday in July of 2019, I think was among the most important uh, realizations of that is mm-hmm. I went into that. And I, of course, you were DMing and I was playing. And my instinct was like, we're just going to sh- we're going to show classic old school D&D, the whole lock, stock and barrel. And wasn't well, that going to be great? And honestly, I watched it myself afterwards, and I was like, I need to pep up my performance. Is <laughs> papers and planning how many rations uh, for for an extended period of time before an expedition, that actually isn't the very best viewer experience. Yeah. And I, would... I, I came away kind of realizing that I had to do something slightly different on camera.
0: I would I would bring up, too, that there's sort of a yin and yang of of how much is going on at any one time right this, there is yeah. there's there's lots of moments in role playing games where there's nothing going on right which is why I think you need that heavy editing but in a mm-hmm. like a real unrecorded live in person game there are also moments where there's a lot going on in parallel Right? There's a bunch yes. of people sitting yes. around the table. Some of yes. them may be having side conversations. Weird things may be going on. Um, yeah. I have a horror game that I ran that in, in explicitly tried to provoke this at the start, in the starting moment. Basically, right. I have six right. players. They all have character backgrounds. Um, in their character backgrounds, they, they maybe know one or two other people, uh, one or two of the other characters, but not the rest. But they right. have specific goals. And the opening scene is them all coming into the same space at the same time and trying to get what they want out of the others. And so after everyone's kind of quietly read their character sheets for 10 minutes, which is really boring and no one wants to watch that, I go, yep, okay, yep, yep. begin, and it's chaos. Yep. And I'm up and running around yep. the table and talk. oh, who do you, and you need this and you need this. Okay, you guys are talking, so you're fine, and I'm going to go over to this group, right? And it's just crazy. Like, I, you would need multiple camera crews to capture that and to break it apart into a linear experience for recording. Yep. Yep. And yep. that's really Great hard. Point.
1: That's really, really hard. Just to be 100 percent clear, I mean you think that's a good thing, right? You don't think that's a bad thing. That's a good oh, I think, thing. I that think it's it's probable, good, but it's a
0: major difference, right? I think yeah. both and here's right. here's where, where sort of the rubber meets the road on terms of like right. what is unique to uh recording and presenting in a public way, public gaming, and right. online versus offline, is that both right. of them both playing moving your game to online if it's private and moving right. your game into a public viewership even if that was right. like on a stage in front of a live audience both of those right. impose the same problem of you can't do that anymore you cannot yeah. have yeah. multiple things happening in parallel it's too much you yeah. have to make yeah. your show your game linear mm-hmm.
1: yeah i agree that was one of the points where i feel like i made a little pro con list of uh, online versus offline <laughs> And certainly, that was one of the pros for for offline is the capacity to have a side conversation or just you know actually just to look in somebody's eyes and Mm -hmm. confirm they're focused on you for a particular moment. And certainly for the for the for the live in-person gaming, you know, um, I do a couple of things that tend to surprise people a little bit. Number one, I don't use a chair; like I stand up the whole time, partly for visibility, partly to you know act with my whole body. And maybe more importantly, so that I can walk around the table to an individual player who either has a question when things are chaotic or has a you know rules problem that I can help with. And I even think in advance about what shoes I wear. Like I actually wear particular sneakers so that I can you know safely and quickly get to the other side of the table, not make a lot of noise and, and move to another player while the rest of the party is doing something and just focus on them yeah. and say, hey, I'm with you right now. What can I do? What can I do to assist? Um, and that all goes—that all goes out the window when you're playing when yeah. you're playing online. Obviously,
0: you know it's—it's it's interesting. It's—it's it's one of the many reasons why I still have not been able to figure out how to do my horror games online. Like one, okay. I love prop work, so I have all these physical yeah, props yeah, that yeah. aren't going to work. Yeah. And then two, yeah. I really like to make these complex characters who who are going to have a lot of excuses to want to role play against each other and not involve me as DM at all, and kind of shove yes. me back into this kind of referee right. role. Right. Um, so, I, I love right. that. I think that's super fun play. Could you present that publicly? I think possibly you could. Again. You need a couple camera crews, I think, and a lot of editing, <laughs> right? It wouldn't yeah. be a live show. It couldn't be a live yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> fascinating.
1: Yeah, fascinating. That's one I hadn't. That's one I hadn't thought about. That's one I hadn't thought about. Um, fascinating. Now I'm. Now you got me thinking about that. That's an interesting point. Now, obviously, like I tend to, I tend to focus on you know team based D and tend to, mm. I do tend to focus on team based D and D where everybody's pulling in the same direction. And, uh, there isn't, there isn't quite much. I don't plan there's on still, the process. There's still
0: moments of it there, right? And even in yeah. the big bed, we saw it, right? You now it happens oh, yeah. more traditionally, I think, when like we are pulled away into a quiet moment. Like I'm like, oh, you asked me an interesting rules question. I'm going to have to go look that up. I've got my nose in a book and then two players yeah. have an aside together. And, and I certainly had this experience, and I know you have as well, Dan, where like, just reviewing the episodes afterwards, I'm watching going, wait, what happened? I missed that. I, didn't, I don't remember this yes. happening in the game.
1: Yes. <laughs> 100%! 100% totally have had that experience. That's, a, that's a, actually a great, great point. And again, uh, you're, you're processing so many things as DM, you, yep. you, you, can't catch, you can't catch all those moments at all. So it actually has been very gratifying to be able to go see everything that's actually happening in our game yeah. That normally goes <clears throat> goes past my head, uh, and that's that's a really good point. Um, uh, now, th- now there are some advantages, right? I think that there are some, and also like online lag, right? So you're playing yeah. online, and of course the lag that we you, that that will always be an issue. And even you and I, Paul, have been doing this show for over two years at this point, and we still are going to step on each other's sentences no, once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> and to say nothing of people that, that are, are new and you don't know their cadence and you don't know, you know, what it looks like when they're about to wrap up a sentence or something like that. Um, but there are certainly advantages to the online uh, gaming situation among which are, uh, just for starters, no commute. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right? yep. So I think a lot of people are getting spoiled this year, but their normal game has gone online, and the commute goes away. And I think a number of people are are saying, you know, I don't want to go back to the, I don't know, hour, two-hour, three-hour round-trip commute for the game anymore. Yeah, I could see that. Um,
0: but you but then you lose the driveway moment, right? This is this is my my absolute favorite thing. My favorite one or one of not my absolute favorite thing. One of my favorite things about running D&D, especially running D&D out of my house, is that when the game is over and the players leave and they linger in the driveway and they're standing there continuing to talk and rehash and plan the game and I'm looking out the window and realizing, I got them. I got them. They 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 are so in. They can't leave it behind. They got to they got to have Fifteen more minutes in the driveway of discussion about the game.
1: It's very. Satisfying. That's pretty great. That's pretty great. <laughs> I, w- I will admit, I, I have not had the opportunity to experience that. Living in living in Brooklyn as I do, uh, we don't we don't have a driveway. There isn't a driveway. Ah, people don't ah. have individual cars, and people either have to uh, are on a schedule and either have to run to get a, a bus or a train or an Uber or a Lyft that's showing up at a particular time. So usually we have people scatter and we don't have a driver watch that and i I am a little jealous of that moment because i haven't personally seen it yeah
0: i bet it still happens right two people share a train and they're probably still talking about the game and you just
1: don't get to see it good 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 point (laughs) good point good point um uh, i will i will say that when 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 our events get organized uh we up until this week actually we had a facebook group for that we had i had wonderful amazing synopses that that uh that our friend max was writing normally about what what had happened in the last session and it was it was delightful just delightful piece of little writing every every other week that we were looking at but let's talk um i, I want to get to some questions in the comments yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, but. Yeah. Let me let me just say, there, I mean, there are certainly positive things to to online gaming. Right. So, I, right. This is what I'm talking about. So the, the no commute was just the start of it. Yeah. Um, two specific. OK, so the, one of the things that I've discovered that I actually like, I, I, I like the I like having virtual dice. Actually, I do mm-hmm. like having virtual dice and having those be uh, visible uh, to everybody. And to not have any question at all whether someone's, like, fiddling or fudging it. Like, sometimes, once in a mm. while, you have a player that, like, rolls it in a really weird way. And you're like, are they, are they just planting it? Are they just planting the die on the table? I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a, it's a, that was a minor thing. But the more important thing is that there's, there's actually heightened visibility for the handouts that the DM is providing. So right. the map. Uh, right the yep. map that's either being revealed or constructed is immediately visible and accessible and editable by everybody at the table all at the same time and traditionally right there's there's one person who's in charge of the map and they've got it they're modifying it maybe you've got two people over their shoulders that can immediately look mm-hmm, at it mm-hmm. right orientation everything like that right and now what discovered with roll Twenty is, is really nice. Everybody sees the whole thing all at once. Everybody can draw on it. So I have mul- maybe multiple people drawing like the, the the chests and the door and where the carpet is running, and where the gongs are in the room and things like that. Yeah, people that have never been involved in mapping before. Right. And I thought that was actually really gratifying and a really nice little surprise. You give a handout, right, instead of like one person seeing it and reading it, everybody can see it all at the same time. Right. So I actually have had this nice surprise with with roll 20 at the at the visibility of everybody being able to participate and looking at a thing.
0: Now what what you're talking about here is really the advantages of online play versus offline play, right? And we're not you're we're right. not we're not you're talking right. about publicly right. playing it publicly in front you're of a group. But let me right. let me just extend what you're just saying there to to cover that as well because here's an interesting yeah. thing I've noticed on 10 dead rats. When we have a handout, I Put it up on screen for everyone to see but often it's text-based right it's a letter someone wrote or something and and we scrape like like for the show in 10 dead rats we scrape the audio to release it as a podcast so we're always aware that some people don't get to see the video yeah and and so yeah, our yeah. practice is anytime there's a handout with text in it someone has to read that out loud to the whole group and that's really nice right like you don't always get that at the tabletop sometimes people get the handout and they read it and they go ha 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 okay no i'm not going to share this with the rest of the group yes but when there's that performative angle of like no 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 that's bad for the audience you have to read it out
1: loud for them right it's
0: kind of nice kind of like that
1: that's a good point that's a good point i'm glad you said that i might have uh i might have made a mistake with that someday as a matter of fact that's actually a really good point um, I like that a lot. And do, do, they, do, they, do they deliver when, when, some, when, when someone does that for the benefit of maybe our viewers here that aren't watching 10 Dead Rats, although they should Thursday nights from 8 to 10 Eastern. Um, uh, do, they, do they add an additional like performative spin compared to what they do uh, privately? Now, uh,
0: it's extra complicated for 10 Dead Rats. So there have been cases where there's been a letter from a known NPC, and we've had the discussion li- right there live in front of the audience, all right, here's the letter uh, to you, Yeffie from um, uh, from Count Orlok. Would you like to read it out loud to our audience, or would you like me to do so in Orlok's voice? And immediately the answer was, please do the Orlok voice, because we want to hear that, right? Because it's amusing to everyone. Um, likewise, another funny thing about Ten Dead Rats is because it's set in Warhammer, most characters can't read. So... Okay. So great, great, oftentimes, great. not only not only out of game great. do we have to read it out loud for the audience, but in game, somebody might have to get another character to read it to them because they can't oh. actually read. Oh, great. Yeah, so we've had but moments what? like that where a character and then two characters get to like collectively read a thing together and process it, and it's been very funny. And there was a, a, a ridiculous moment where... Uh, Max's character Bruno had written a love letter to an NPC and asked Colleen's character to deliver it and Colleen can't read, but she wanted to know <laughs> what it was in there and so <laughs> when she delivered it it the, the two of them read it together and it actually turned out to be a coded message to to Colleen's character, Yeffie, because it said, I assume that you're a jerk and you're gonna read this and not actually deliver it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know layers within layers as always in 10 dead rats there um but you made some for
1: some very good viewing <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah that's amazing that's amazing yeah the performative um, the- the aspect of uh, needing to change it a little bit for the viewers was uh, was was really smashed in my face at the birthday game last year. It's,
0: yeah, I could see that. I can see that. So it's, it's interesting because I think when we did the birthday game, we didn't really think about it. We were right. like, hey, we're live streaming now. We play this yes. game. Let's live stream it. Yeah. Right? We, right. We, we didn't put a lot of thought and preparation into that. Right. And that's the exact right. opposite of what I have in 10 Dead Rats. Um, you might notice yeah. that we lost a player at the beginning of the year, and we've been very right. slow to replace that player. Um right. and that's because we've been talking to people and 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 trying to make sure that all the expectations are are in the same place. And one of the conversations right. we often have is are you interested in the performative aspect of this? Because this is we're not just asking you to come yeah. join our right. role-playing yeah. game. We're yeah. asking you to perform in this show and you have right. to be excited about that part as well. Right. And, uh, and it's something we talk about a lot, right. And actually we've, we've talked about it as a group a lot (laughs) about sort of like how important is that to us and how much is the, the showmanship and the, and that part of it, you know, what we want to do. And we all agree, we love that and we want to do that. And that's part of making 10 dead rats for us is not just, you know, we get to play Warhammer together. It's we get to make this show that we perform in front of an audience.
1: I think I think with the birthday game watching it, like what I what I realized is like I'm talking a lot in my own voice. I'm talking a lot in like, here's the preparation here, the rules here, the spells I have available. What should we do next? And the takeaway is I really needed to um, I I think if I if I do that again as a player, um, I need to do it more in the voice of the character more routinely Mm. um, or for that performance aspect. And you know, it's an interesting thing because you know, not everybody enjoys that part of D&D. Not everybody, you know, not not every player of role playing games in the world actually wants that. And I've certainly had people that were um, shy or reluctant to get into our game form. And I actually I would have to say like, in our offline games, I'd say, it's not necessary. You don't need that don't worry. about that. if you want to take on a voice, and you want to do voice playing, that's great, but if if I'm doing that, don't feel like you have to do that at I think, all.
0: I think, I feel like it's, you know, prior to streaming and online gaming and yeah. whatnot, it was really yeah. a, um, it was really a, a sort of stylistic choice that, especially amongst DMs, right, right. is, how performative of a dm are you how much do you put on funny voices and try to embody the characters of the npcs personally i love it and i do it all the time but i wouldn't hold it against a dm who's like that's not me that's not my style i like these other aspects of the game more and right. and certainly even as as a dm who loves to do that stuff i don't hold my all my players to that standard either i would be like yeah. oh you don't you don't want to do a silly voice that's fine you want to talk about your character in the third person that's fine yeah um yeah. you know but ten dead rats? No, it's
1: not fine in ten dead rats. You have to talk in character. I, agree. yeah, that's what that's what I discovered as a viewer myself. Is is um that's that that's right. Um, when people talk about, I mean, when people talk about the Mercer effect with Critical Role. Now, you you have watched. You're actually caught up, and you've actually watched all of Critical Role at this point. I, I mean,
0: well, I've I've watched all of season two. I skipped season okay. one. Because okay. it's just okay. I, it's just too much
1: for me to take it. <laughs> yeah. When people talk about the Mercer effect, is that what they're talking about? Or I don't. I,
0: well, no. I think it's a little different. I think that the Mercer effect, my what I believe the Mercer effect is, is people yeah. who are being introduced to the concept of role playing by watching Critical Role. So they're they're right. they're now taking it in, saying this is what role playing is. Yeah. And then they're going yeah. to oh I want to do that so they join a group and mm-hmm. then they expect the game to be just like what gotcha. they saw on television. And, gotcha. and it you know, like I said, there's, a st- there's stylistic choices being made left, right, and center. There's changes being made because they know they're performing to an audience. There are going to be a lot of differences. I think most yeah. often the Mercer effect um, kind of manifests in the, oh, my DM isn't a professional voice actor and isn't doing, right. <laughs> you know... Uh, is is not doing funny voices and is not doing them in a convincing way and does not have reams of writing, which, frankly, I'm assuming Mercer has, like, a whole staff to help him with, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Or at least yeah. more than just him. I assume it's more than just him writing the content. And, um, you know, and so then they're coming to me like, oh, you know, my DM sucks, <laughs> right? That's the Mercer effect, I think, is, oh, my DM sucks because he's not Matt Mercer. <clears throat>
1: that's an interesting dilemma i mean that's a yeah. really interesting uh, this is that's a really interesting heisenbergian dilemma yeah there um, you go. We're, we're getting more people see i'm so glad i started with the quantum physics because it, totally, it totally great, underscores great. the whole discussion of you know we are we're getting more people to watch uh D yeah. and find out about it in other role-playing games but it, it's a different what they're watching is a different form than has been played you know since the inception yeah um, no, as, uh, as highlighted by fact, we don't have a single video of Gygax or Arneson ever, ever running a session. Is no, that Matt, crazy?
0: Matt Mercer has specifically written public or spoken publicly on the internet about like how it's un- Matt Mercer effects unreasonable, and he doesn't like it, and he would prefer people not hold each other to those standards. Um, and then also like you know, there's a certain qualitative um, statement being made there that that somehow Mercer is up on this pedestal as like the ultimate DM, and like there's a point to be made of, well, it's just different, right? His style is different. It's not necessarily better. Um, and I, I think, frankly, that that's what we need to get past that is more, right? We need more different styles of games online so that people can see and compare and say, oh, there's, there's different ways to play the game. Here's what an old school mapping heavy tactical game looks like. Here's what a, you know, acting for the feels 5th edition game feels like. Here's what a crazy horror, you know, or paranoia where the players are actually actively trying to kill each other game looks like.
1: Right. And I feel like with the big bad, I mean, I feel like that's, I mean, I, 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 among the things that I'm happy about is delivering a distinctly different type. Uh, it's D&D and it's fifth edition, but a distinctly different take on the game that is highly strategic, highly tactical. And I also think the competitive nature kind of brings that out yep. is that there's a lot of things that maybe in a you know a heavy narrative storytelling game would get rounded off and we'd yep. be like oh for the purposes of the story we'll agree that things work like this hmm. but in the big bad there will be some times whereby the two sides me and someone like glow from second second best dnd on tuesday will just start arguing at each other about specific rules in the book, or specific square counting on the table. And we you know, we try to we try to cut it up. So it's fast paced on the show, you get a little bit of taste of that, that the 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 tactical element can be life or death for you, if you get the range wrong, or your die mm-hmm. comes up the wrong way. Um, and so I'm personally happy that we are going to be giving some of that strategic tactical hard nosed element yep. um, uh, Starting Tuesday.
0: I, I also like that there's that that doing that doesn't mean that the other stuff's not present, right? Like, there's sure. still, right. you know, as right. we saw, I think, in one of the promo videos, yeah. there's a romance yeah. subplot in that episode as well. <laughs> Which
1: is just one. It's well, delights it delights me. It delights me to know are it. Happy. Well, it might delight you, Paul, but it didn't make me happy at all. <laughs> You're gonna see see me uh, uh, outraged on Tuesday.
0: This is excellent. This is this is a point I totally wanted to bring up. Right, right. I'm laughing here because, of course, I'm assuming that is Dan really angry? I don't think so. Is the big bad angry? I'm pretty sure. Yes.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Right. So, you know, Dan, you and I have talked about this about how you had this sort of two layers of characters. Right. You had you you were playing. Uh, the actual villains on the table, but you're also playing this yeah. character of the big bad who is out to like crush the players and do right. so by controlling the villains, but is right. a little bit not your personality.
1: I might argue I that really most on this show, yeah, this might be the first time we've mentioned that on this show. I don't oh, know, okay. maybe I've okay. made...
0: I, I forget. We talk so much about this these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, but here's the thing I. I've had this conversation with the 10 dead rats crew as well. And we also agree over there that we're all playing two characters that, that there's two layers to it, right? That there's, there's Bruno, Max's halfling character, but there's also Max as he appears to the audience. And then there's the real guy, Max, but that like the way the audience perceives Max being himself on screen is maybe not exactly his personality. And sometimes that gets, you know, confusing, Um, you know, something like there was, there was a case uh, I'm going to pick on Max because uh, I can, because he's my brother. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, where we realized that the parts that were being aired made him look like a jerk.
1: And we're (laughs) like, people are
0: going to watch this and think Max is a jerk. And we all know that's not true. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So what, how do we fix that in the show? How do we present the Max character as a little more likable?
1: You know that's fascinating because you know I'm embarrassed <laughs> that I haven't been religiously watching Ten Red Ten Dead Reds and actually what comes across my mind how the hell does Max look like a jerk <laughs> like I'm not entirely sure I'm not entirely yeah. sure I, I I I can visualize what that looks like actually that's fascinating it's
0: it's it's, it's pretty um, neat and I would I would posit that this happens in Critical Role as well that what we're seeing that they're really. You know, the thing that people love so much, I think, about Critical Role is not the fantasy of dwarves and elves fighting dragons and wizards, but the yeah. fantasy of a group of seven close friends who get to hang out together all the time. Right. right, right, And, you know, are we seeing the real Matt Mercer and the real Marisha Ray and the real, you know, Sam Regal?
1: Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so so John uh, in the in the comments there said I uh, said he's he suspects that the big bad is Dan's true self, barely repressed the Jungian shadow, and um, there have been moments and, and frankly I'll say this I get jerkier as the season goes on. So as if you watch multiple episodes of Big Bad, you're going to see me get to be more and more of a of a jackass yeah. uh, as the episodes as the episodes proceed. And there have been times where I walked away and was like, I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried that, that actually might be part of my personality and be like, is that good? Is that good that I'm letting it out in this in this particular as, in this particular context? I think, I guess. As as Max
0: has said in our conversations uh, when we talk about Max versus Bruno, is it's called the method. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, that's a joke, right? And we all know it's a joke because we know Max, but uh, maybe there's some truth there.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what, I mean, Ultimately, you know, that's what the role-playing hobby, you know, to be able to explore in a safe space tactics or strategies or team building or personalities or ways of interacting with the world that, that, you know, you you normally wouldn't Mm -hmm. or whether these work for you or not. And, you know, for, for some of us that are you know, maybe more introverted than some people has been a really huge benefit to us to you know, explore ways of interacting with people before we actually do it in the real world. So, um, uh, yeah, or, or at least or, or at least compartmentalize it so that you're not a jerk to people in normal life as much, hopefully. So, uh, so it's been a very it's very it's been a very interesting, very, very, very interesting experience uh, to produce that in that way. I'm really just so lucky. That we get to so lucky that we get to do this. Paul get to get to perform. My so disinvited dis- invited artist Isabel Gravani said the other night, like if you had, if any of you had gone to your younger self, uh, you know, at age whatever, 10, 13, and said, later on, you're going to have public performances of D and D. Uh, watched online, and that'll be a thing. You'd be like, "Well, that's ridiculous." Of course, that's not going to happen. And if it does, it'll be shameful. Like, is yeah. that some kind of shameful punishment that people are even going to know, you, know if you do that? I mean, I'm at one point in my life, where nobody, I wouldn't even let anybody know that that was a thing. Never mind perform it publicly.
0: I mean, if you had told 2010 Paul that that was going to happen, I would have been like, "That's a bad idea. You should <laughs> don't don't do that. That's a terrible
1: idea." <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I think even even as late as 2018, I think maybe I was saying yeah, that
0: was yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, right. I, I I don't want to come across as a hypocrite, but you just got to read my blog from a few years ago, and you'll 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 see me, you know, being very very dour about
1: actual play.
0: I mean, it took a while. Took a while to come Amazing. around to it. Cool.
1: You know, one thing I got to... So one thing, and it's 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 many <coughs> comments, which is awesome that it scrolled past. It scrolled back, and I can't see who said this, but somebody. Somebody asked a while back uh, for the for the wargaming uh, mm. that we were doing until we went we put Book of War on, on hiatus. But um, for a number of months, we were doing Saturday night wargaming here, myself and Isabel, using Book of War for old school, traditional uh, mass combat.
0: Well, John coming. asks: Notice any difference between Book of War slash Miniatures Wargaming live stream and tabletop RPG live streaming
1: or recording? I'm I'm so glad you asked because I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. And I'll say for that one, not very much. For that one, not very much. We're usually not performing character voices. Okay. But now that you, now that you asked, uh, there's a lot more of explaining what's going on. So I think that as, as Isabel and I would play that, we would explain, like, out loud our thought processes, mm-hmm. whereas normally do a thing. And so yep. I think that again, for the for the for the for the viewers, we'd say, Well, I could do a or I could do B. But in this case, the numbers of this and that's why I'm deciding to do this. And normally, right. we wouldn't do that. right. Oh, that's
0: interesting. I, I was wondering, at first, I thought you were talking about just the pure um, teaching aspect of it, right? Because obviously, this is a game that you've developed, and you would like right. people to use these videos, I presume, as a way of learning how to play the actual game. Right. Uh, which You're is right. frankly something that people do. Like that's one of the beauties, I think, of actual play. Right? Is that people who would have dismissed the hobby entirely uh, a few years ago can now like say, "Well, let me learn more about how it works and what what does it actually mean to play this game in a kind of safe, quiet, personal way." And then I go, oh, okay, actually, that does look like fun. I do want to go do that. Um,
1: you're
0: right. But... Yeah, um, there's
1: definitely a little bit of a teaching aspect, yeah, aspect to yeah, it. Yeah. And but I'll it sounds like you're
0: other... also talking about, like, just, just, like, explaining your own personal motivation, your own tactics of, like, oh, I have choices A and B before me. Which one am I going to choose?
1: Yeah, precisely. <laughs>
0: That's great. Precisely. Which is
1: both, It's both, you know, I feel like it's both, it's both partly teaching it of, like, what's at stake, <laughs> and it's also... Uh, making a bit of a show of it, but where's the tension right now, right? Where mm-hmm. is the tension in my mind right now for the next move that I have to make? Um, and then the other and then the other thing I would say that's really weird about that show is that it is the only time that Isabel calls me by my full name. <laughs> so, so and we never discussed it I don't know where it came from but in that, for some, the, the camera comes on she always refers to me as Daniel Collins like I am tonight, I'm playing Daniel Collins in the game of Book of War and I'm going to use my orc and goblin archers to kill Daniel Collins and I'm not <laughs> entirely sure what happened but you know, even that, it becomes a slightly different role because normally I'm Dan and then in the yep. show, apparently I'm this different character named Daniel Collins <laughs> right, who is Who's somewhat more, uh, slightly more sinister, and slightly more worthy of being destroyed by Isabel. <laughs> um, so even there, there's this way we never discussed it, and it was never 100 percent clear. But there's this this slight distinction even in the name that gets used, and I never she never addresses me that any in our entire yeah, lives, yeah. Uh, like that. But the show starts, and then she's it's, like, "Tonight, Daniel Collins." So there's like this this additional separation yeah, of yeah, uh, it's it's, it's Daniel
0: Collins, the designer of Book of War, not. Not you know, right. not my partner Dan. It's uh, it's uh, yeah, yeah. It's a little, it's a little different. It's a little different.
1: That's so great, I'm so, John. Thank you for asking about that because I actually hadn't really thought about that super clearly. But even I, there, we could, we couldn't escape it. I
0: would point out one of the one of the interesting things about wargaming uh, online or in public is that is probably better suited for it than RPGs because it is intrinsically turn-based, right?
1: Good point.
0: Now, now, we did, and actually for my birthday recently, we played a turn-based RPG on this channel um, called Cheat Your Own Adventure. And we were surprised at how well it flowed and how well it worked. And it it was only like when I realized like, oh, the, the very rules of this RPG, I don't think they were written for this, but it just so happens that the way this RPG is structured you take turns talking and narrating scenes in this very structured way, which made it perfect for streaming.
1: It flowed super well. It flowed super well. But, But now the disadvantage to wargaming, at least in the current context, is, you know, we're lucky that we live together. And we can actually sit at, so I feel like a large part mm-hmm. of Wargaming is the actual concrete, physical, real-world miniatures. Mm-hmm. So we have a real table and we have real miniatures, and we can pick them up, and we can feel them, and they feel you know heavy, and we're pushing them around, and sometimes they fall over, and we can hold them up to the camera, and we can point at a particular miniature, and the dice bounce off the miniatures and stuff like that. And I feel like, you know, and it takes up real space that we <laughs> feel. And, you know, you can, I feel like you can probably try to transition that digital. And I feel like that would, that would certainly hurt me in a big way.
0: I'm really curious now what your experience was like doing the big bad, because as you know, in the big bad, our sponsors were Dwarven Forge and we had big, elaborate, three-dimensional miniature terrain and a bunch of minis and cameras pointed at that. And I, as referee, had that right in front of me. So I was constantly dealing with the actual physical board and moving it around and positioning cameras and moving figures. And so it was very physical for me. Yeah, but I, from you, who was recording from a remote location and had to, like, move, you know, ask me to move your miniatures for you, what was that What was that like for you?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. Um, uh, like, I feel like frankly the camera work is so great that 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 act feels like i'm pretty much there uh it actually it, 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 it certainly feels very concrete when i'm watching and and shooting the big bad as a matter of fact um you know i'm only i'm focused on like one character one miniature at a time i'm not pushing forward a whole battalion mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. cavalry or something like that um uh You know orientation is not an issue so we're certainly not worried about i need to pivot 45 degrees and i need to aim in this direction like for a war game might actually be important Mm -hmm. um so the orientation issue is not is not a problem there um i think that we had done enough play tests and i certainly had a map to my side in front of me that i probably had a pretty good intuitive feel by the time we were shooting about distances and heights and things like that Maybe for players coming in, it might be more getting dropped into the deep end. Hmm. But we, we, you know, we've basically played that scenario in person at conventions. You know, we had true. A paper map, mm-hmm. and certainly we were at your house together at one point, trying to build the thing. Yep. Uh, at the point, we said we need to actually get dwarven forge sponsorship <laughs> because yeah. we don't have enough material here to do what we want. So mm-hmm. I certainly have, have been in a situation where I felt the space and I felt my hands on the miniatures and probably that filled in quite a bit what I needed there. Interesting. So I probably had about half, I was halfway there already I would say.
0: I mean, I feel like the, the other thing I would really like to see and haven't seen yet is the, the polar opposite of this in an, in an old school RPG where you're specifically eschewing miniatures and you're yeah. saying it's all theater of the mind yeah. and I'm yeah. going to describe the dungeon to you. And if you want to draw a map, yeah. that's your business. Yeah. Um. And I've not seen that successfully. Certainly not on a show, and yeah. probably not on an actual online game. I know that's something you've been yeah. contemplating, Dan. Yeah. Do you have any?
1: I want to. I, I. definitely want to do that. I will say, like, there were times, like, there were times with our shoot whereby I, like, I personally actually was less interested in the specific space one of my guys was in than you were, and like, there were times I was like, ah, run down the stairs as far as you can. And, um, you know, you were in the, the habit of, you know, making the players happy with exactly where they're got. You were asking me, is it this space or that space? And, you know, maybe for pacing purposes, I would have been like, I don't really care, whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, coming from a theater of the mind space mm-hmm. uh, where, um, you know, I, I want to balance the pacing as well as the specific tactics. So, yeah, I want to do that. Um, hopefully pretty soon I'll get a chance to, te- to test an old school theater of the mind where the players are actually keeping the map. And I agree. I haven't seen anybody do that, but I do have some ideas and I keep, we keep getting wonderful, flattering comments that people would like to see, uh, a, an original edition Delta or at least an OSR game, uh, run, uh, with us. And I think it, I think it should be possible. And I think it, I, I would really like to do that.
0: Yeah, we should definitely do that. And I'm very curious to see, especially the mapping aspect. That's the thing I'm really curious about. Like, and we've, if you, even if you go back to the birthday game from a year ago, where we were all in the same physical space and we were streaming it, Right. even in that, you guys weren't drawing a map, right? I had uh, a Correct. projector uh, above yeah. us that was projecting the map right. onto the table that I was revealing over time. And we had a whole right. separate camera pointed at it so that you could right. see it um, so right. on the stream. Right. Right. And if if we were not streaming it and I didn't have this ridiculous camera uh, projector setup that I was enjoying playing with, um, the way I would have run that would have just been like, get your graph paper. You can draw this. I'll describe it, right? The the, the tunnel goes 30
1: feet forward. Then it turns left and right. What do you want to do? Right. I was certainly mapping yeah. it, right? So I was actually keeping the map. So as we as we proceeded sure. through Dyson's Dell, like I was actually keeping a map so that we could tell you where, you know, how to get out largely. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, at least originally, you know, maybe no one wants to play that anymore, but originally, originally a major part of the D&D experience was exploring a, a mazy type thing, maybe getting the map wrong, getting lost, dying because of that. And it does, as an old school, it kind of hurts me to not have the risk of a, a dead end or a mapping error actually be the result of your of your demise. Yeah. So I would I would certainly like to have that on the table as well.
0: Yeah, we need to find a way to stream that. I think that would be really yeah. interesting. There's an interesting right. technical problem there of like having to okay. get a player who's Agreed. in charge of the map or or having some Agreed. tool that all the players can Agreed. contribute to with the map. But
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's, there's been a and, and on the um. There's a there's a question, a couple of questions there again on how would. Uh, book of war or another war game work in the digital realm maybe on roll 20 or maybe on tabletop simulator i don't know i mean that's uh, frankly i i don't see a way to do that that would make me happy frankly maybe i maybe i have blinders on so uh so you just pulled up john yeah. miller's yeah. Uh, question there it, it makes you wonder what would book of war be like on roll 20 would it be manageable not sure how it would work on the roll 20 grid and then it was uh, Jamused who said maybe tabletop simulator would be a better option. But I tried both, yeah, and I'm not seeing how I'm not seeing how it would make me happy personally in yeah. a war game. I, I like the heft of the, the physical miniatures, and it would be real hard for me to get away from.
0: Uh, Vorpal board just came out of beta recently. Possibly you could do it on Vorpal board, yeah. but okay. again, yeah. I gotta think that especially for yeah. a one-on-one game, that gives advantage to the person who's got the physical stuff in front of them. A person yeah. who's got yeah. to operate through a camera, uh, yeah. you know, is maybe at a disadvantage there.
1: You know, another thing is, you know, tr- traditionally in those kinds of war games, uh, there was a rule that you couldn't pre-measure, like a lot of games. And I, I have that in Book of Wars. You have to declare yeah. what you're going to do before you whip out the ruler. And I know that Paul with the Big Bad, you 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 were using that same rule. As people had yep. to declare what they were doing, then you'd pull out the ruler and measure range or something like that. And that, again, has an advantage for the person who's, uh, who's actually physically there. And the last time we used Roll20, I realized that I couldn't prevent players from using the measuring tool mm-hmm. and measuring how far it was from one grid box to another. Yep. Um, uh, yep. If anybody knows how to prevent that on Roll20, please tell me. But that was like, oh, that would be a problem in those kinds of situations is that they could, uh, they could totally pre-measure and I couldn't, I couldn't stop them. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Yeah, it is an annoyance, that would actually I think, major, sometimes. Yeah, that would be a major rule difference. That would be a major, major yeah. rule difference between always knowing exactly what your ranging is versus the fog of war, which I tend to prefer, actually. <laughs> and of course, there's, there's, there's an, an right, there's anecdotes that, that, you know, Gygax used to cheat at that, that he would that he would, he knew, right, he knew how wide his hand was. And so he would act like he's ruminating and then put his hands on the side of the board and go, hmm, uh, gee, should I do this? Yes, I guess I will take the shot, right? And he was, he was surreptitiously measuring with his hands on the side of the board. Um
0: that's great. So I don't
1: know, maybe that brings it all back around to yeah. uh, you can't prevent him from doing yeah. that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's funny, that's funny, yeah.
1: Alright, well that's
0: uh we're we're pretty close to the end of the time here, Dan. Uh, do you have any, yeah. any final thoughts on the differences between playing publicly versus privately?
1: I, I, I'm embarrassed. I, I guess I'm a little embarrassed that I didn't realize it in advance. I didn't realize the big difference before we started streaming our games. Like now I feel I should have known that in advance. Now I'm a lot more aware that um uh, you 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 kind of you kind of do need to commit to the character voice for to make a good show. You need to be really commit to the performance is a, is 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 a requirement, not an option. And uh, for the purposes of a show like The Big Bad, the fact that uh, I think that editing editing it down to some to to a nice public package of a show is also a, a requirement in my book. Now,
0: hmm. Hmm. I think um, I think it's. Another yet another aspect that we're adding into this hobby that makes it even more imperative that uh, you discuss with the people who are participating ahead of time what the expectations are, right, that it's, um, you know, I, I don't think it's better or worse, but it's definitely different. Yeah. And so you've got to be on the same page because it's you can't just plop down at the table and be like, oh, we're going to play D&D online and we're going to stream it. So it's fine. It's just D&D like, like you've always played. And No, it's not. It's pretty different. And so, you know, make sure you consider it. Have the conversation of like, are we just recording ourselves playing or are we performing for an audience? And yeah. what does that mean? Yeah,
1: and either could be fine. I mean, I could imagine someone <laughs> streaming just to what they're doing, yep. you know, on Twitch would probably be the best place for that. Um and that would be fine, but yeah, you want to uh you want to uh you want to do additional prep work for this uh uh beyond what you would do for a normal D D game, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree.
1: Well put. well put.
0: Well, viewers, if you have any thoughts about uh the differences between playing publicly versus privately, playing online versus offline, uh, any of the combinations of those two axes, uh, please leave us some comments below. We would love to hear your thoughts, uh, see if there's areas of this uh, complex grid that we've missed and uh, should discuss in more detail. Definitely, definitely.
1: And remember, of course, that you can like and follow and subscribe to us on YouTube and Twitter and Twitch and Facebook, and we have the handle WanderingDMs on all of those sites. Likewise, you can listen to our show in audio-only podcast format if you prefer.
0: Uh, That is available on our website at wanderingdms.com. It is also available through various podcast carriers such as iTunes and Google Podcast. Have they changed the name of Google Podcast yet? Uh, Not sure. Uh, If you are listening to us on one of those carriers, please take a moment to rate and review us there. Uh, We really appreciate that.
1: We definitely do. And I got to give a big shout out to our patrons on patreon.com. We've had a number of new signups recently, actually, and that's like super gratifying. and really helps out what we're doing here on the show. Um, If you would like to join our patrons, please visit patreon.com slash dms if you can. Uh, We've rolled out a bunch of additional benefits recently. uh, One of which is when The Big Bad, our competitive D&D show, premieres this Tuesday... Uh, October 13th at 8pm Eastern Time, uh, where we'll have a uh, event premiere that'll be happening on YouTube and anybody can chat there. But in addition to that, we have a private discord server just for our patrons, and we will be watching the big bad live uh, on camera uh, with you and we'll be able to uh, chat and have a post show chat on discord just for patrons. So if you sign up at any particular level, please do that. And we will really look forward to seeing you in person. On Discord at the premiere event this Tuesday. Yeah, that'll be awesome.
0: Likewise, right after this show, as has become our habit, we'll probably pop over to that Discord and yeah. uh, debrief a little bit and chat with any patrons who happen to be hanging around. Um, definitely, as Dan mentioned, we've been getting more signups recently. There's a bit of a community starting to form on our Discord server, which pleases me to no end. So uh, come, come on and join us. Join us and uh, join in the conversation and uh, chat with us about some D and D stuff.
1: Definitely, definitely, and don't forget that. Uh, don't forget to watch the Big Bad uh, one way or another uh, Tuesday night. Uh, again, uh, episode number one of our premiere season, and this one features second best D and D. Some of our very good friends here in New York, who are astounding uh, improv performers and astounding, uh, su- really surprisingly good, uncomfortably good D players. Paul, <laughs> and uh, you'll get to see what their very unique take is. On the competitive D and D situation that they have never played in before in their lives, and you're going to see them go through the gauntlet Tuesday night, October 13th at 8 p.m. So please watch with us then and share the shock and awe that occurs as we. Uh, I try to put that put the smackdown on second best. Uh, am I forgetting anything, Paul? That's that's the main thing, right? That's, that's the, the main, main amazing thing. thing. That's the main thing. There you yep. go. So we'll see everybody uh, Tuesday night, and of course, as always, we are here for the the, the Wandering DMs flagship talk show every Sunday at one PM Eastern Time. So please do join us again next week for another thought provoking discussion. We'll see you then.
0: Nope, we'll see you right now. We'll.